This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. What do you got? You got some good um, intro music for my sermon? Here we go. Well, a lot of people often complain, Lewis, your sermons are all over the place. We have no idea where you're going. And I keep you guessing all the time. So tonight I'm going to reveal the magic for you and I'm going to show you the outline of my sermon. So uh, first we're going to talk about cupcakes, then we're going to talk about standing, then we're going to talk about balls, because some of you are confused, specifically crystal balls. Then we're going to talk about getting stoned. I know what you're all thinking. It was one time in high school. My mate, my mate Doug, not a good influence. Had a homemade bong made out of a Coke can. And I took one puff. I wouldn't recommend it. And uh, I'm living proof that I admitted that to the Baptist Union and they told me I could still be a pastor. So I'm living proof that your past doesn't matter. I still wouldn't recommend taking a drag of your mate Doug's bong. Uh, then we're going to talk about the fear of falling, then the words of Jesus, and then surrender. So if you've often thought, Lewis, you're all over the place, this is proof that I actually know what I'm doing. <laughs> Believe that or not. Okay. Thank you, Kai. Big round of applause for Kai Mackey, ladies and gentlemen. Cupcakes. Every year. Yeah. Yes, cupcakes. Yummy. Every year. Me, Josh and Sienna, Josh who was worship leading just now, we have a tradition, it's called pig night. Pig night. And on pig night, we eat pig. A pig entree, a pig main and a pig dessert. And this year our pig dessert was maple bacon cupcakes. This is, some of you are saying ooh, but this is like, this is like, it's candied bacon atop of a nice cupcake with some maple syrup. It's amazing. And I still have one maple bacon cupcake left in my fridge. Just one. I'm also currently trying to be healthy. I'm counting my calories on the MyFitnessPal app, trying to be careful. And the cupcake in my freezer is taunting me. It's going, it's just 250 calories. I'm just 250 calories. Come on, Lewis, partake. Just taste, just have a taste. Every time I open my freezer for one of my microwave health meals, because I can't cook, <laughs> see the cupcake taunting me. Come on, Lewis, just one bite. And for some reason, I've decided that I'm going to make a stand. And I keep that cupcake in my freezer taunting me, because I'm going to make a stand. I'm going to stand for my health. And no matter how much that cupcake taunts me, I'm going to stand. I'm not going to give in. Don't take that as like um, scripture because truth is I might, but for the sake of this sermon, I'm going to stand and I'm not going to give in. I don't need that 250 calories. Why would they put that many calories in a cupcake? I'm going to make a stand. I'm going to make a stand. I'm not going to touch the cupcake. Sometimes it's important in life to make a stand. Sometimes you've got to stand. Babies learning to stand or giraffe learning to stand. I love this giraffe. It's like it's about to go to a jazz show. 
It's like got pizzazz. It's like, welcome, world, I am ready for you. I'm ready to charge the world. Look at me. I want to stand tall. When you're young, you have to learn to stand. Babies, they don't stand. They just sort of crawl. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Adam. And one day, they decide to stand, and then they fall down. Then they stand again, and then they fall down. And then they stand again, and then they fall down. And this giraffe, surely it comes out of its mother, and it giraffes, like, go home, look up YouTube, giraffes trying to stand, like baby giraffes. It's the funniest thing you'll ever see. They are the lankiest legs, they're going everywhere, they're out left and right. But eventually the giraffe does learn to stand. In fact, it learns to stand tall. Throughout my life as a Christian, I've had to learn how to stand for certain things and not stand for other things. It's been a big part of my journey. And uh, I wanna tell you one story, not because I think that your calling should be the same as mine or not because I believe that you should do what I do and, and be as crazy as I am, but I wanna share with you one particular story that was definitely formative for me. At my previous church, they had a big, uh, a big venue, a big what we auditorium, and they used to hire it out for events. And one day, the business manager accidentally hired out the venue, the the, the church auditorium, for a like a, what would you call it, like a psychic seminar. I know. I happened to be just driving past the church on that particular day, and as I walked in. <laughs> Like I walk in the door and right to my left, there's a table full of statues of Buddha. Like take your pick, buy one office. And then around the corner, there's, you know, they're doing aura readings. They're painting the colors that surround you. And then over on the stage, they've got their, you know, their drum beat seminar going on, like get in touch with the spirits, with the drums, you know, feel it, feel it, feel it. And then I walked into what we call the chapel. And in the chapel, they were doing palm reading and they were reading crystal balls just sitting around like people coming and paying money to have their future read from a crystal ball. Now, I'm not usually confrontational and I don't usually make a stand on things. <laughs> Some of you know that's not true. So I thought, what can I do in this situation? So I went out the back to the music room. We have an out the back music room. It's just behind this, it's just this door here. And if you snuck into the around the back music room, you'd find guitars and amps and leads. And you could go and grab a guitar or an amp or a lead. And at this church, they also had a behind the stage music room with guitars and amps and leads. And so I thought I'm gonna go grab a guitar, an amp and a lead. And I went out the front of the church, right in front of the big double doors and I plugged in the amp. And I plugged in the lead and I plugged in the guitar and I started singing at the top of my lungs. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. Over and over and over again. And this was a moment where I was like, you know, I don't, I need to make a stand. Uh, one of the people working in the cafe came over and they were very worried. They're like, it's business. We've, these people have paid us money to be here. Lewis, you can't be doing this. I was like, look, I'm gonna do this. You don't have to be involved. No one's gonna blame you. They walk off, they come back five seconds later, they're like, we called, the, we called one of the pastors 
and we, 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 are, we told them what you're doing and the pastor said, you really need to stop. You really need to stop. And because I'm a really caring, loving, compassionate guy, I said, if he wants me to stop, he can come tell me himself. <laughs> so I keep singing, there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain, over and over and over again until a black car rolls up and the pastor steps out and he says, I left my family dinner for this. And he sits me down and he gets very, very angry. And I had a very stern chat with the pastor. And I said, this is not right. In the room we call the chapel, there's crystal balls and palm readings. How could you possibly think this is right? He did a little speech about submission and how you're meant to respect your pastors. And please, if you've got five seconds, give me a little bit of respect, but... Not more than God. And he quoted some scriptures about submission and respecting pastors. And I said, I, I tell you what, I looked him in the eye and I said, I follow Jesus. He was not very angry. Uh, he was very angry, sorry. He was very angry. And he came over and uh, he was, I remember just sitting face to face and I said, I follow Jesus. And he, he that, that wasn't going to end well for me. And while he is retaliating in a, perfect rebuttal of strong words, uh, the organiser of the event walks over, who's running the event, who hired the venue. She gives a business card to me and she says, your music's amazing, we'd love you to sing it the next one. <laughs> I didn't go sing it the next one. I had my fill of crystal balls and palm reading. But I tell you what, the egg on that pastor's face. Throughout my life, I've had moments where I've had to make a stand and I haven't been too afraid of the outcome. In that moment, I really could have lost everything. Just so happens in that moment, I stood was for what was right. And most of the people who were involved in the situation took my side. The business manager called me into the office the next week and she said, I understood why you did that. And I'm sorry that we let those people use our venue. Throughout my life, I've had to make a stand for things that are right. My scripture portion for tonight was from Acts 6, the stoning of Stephen. And uh, I'm not going to read all of it, but you should go home and read this story because Stephen gives a phenomenal sermon amongst all this. And if you read it, you'd learn a whole lot. But let me just give you an intro Stephen is chosen as like a man full of wisdom and power and grace to be one of the people who distribute food to the widows of the Christians at the time. Like that's his job. He's been chosen because he is so full of wisdom and power and grace to be someone who can distribute food to widows. Like this is a good man. This is a good man. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, or as in, you know, like some people, some of the Jews of the area who were part of a synagogue, but they were Hellenistic Jews, which means they spoke Greek, and they called it the synagogue of the freedmen, and we assume that because, like, they would have been Jews who were in sort of captivity in Rome, or who were sort of um, in slavery, and then they'd be freed, and then because they were freed, they were able to go to a synagogue, and then all these, like, Jewish slaves who were freed met in the same synagogue and they called it the synagogue of the free men. But they were Jewish. So some of these people who belonged to this synagogue of the freedmen 
and of the Cyrenes and of the Alexandrians and of those from Sicilia and Asia, they rose up and they disputed with Stephen, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. So these Jewish people start having an argument with Stephen. Stephen. You know what they're arguing about? They were probably arguing about whether Jesus was the Messiah or not, whether Jesus was the way, whether Jesus was the truth, whether Jesus was the life. And Stephen is making a stand. And they're trying to argue with him. But no matter how much they argue, Stephen's wisdom, it probably came across as prideful. But his wisdom was so strong that they couldn't even argue with him. So they secretly instigated men who said, we've heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes. And they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we've heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs Moses delivered to us. And all gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Stephen's making a stand. They're accusing him. They've got false witnesses. They're saying things that he didn't really say. And as he's being accused, he's sitting there with the face of an angel. I think I'd have the face and hand gestures of something else. Stephen is being accused, witnesses false, he's been mm, amazing. And the high priest said, are all these things so? And Stephen said, a really big sermon that goes to the end of this page, over the next page, then over the next page. It's a pretty good one. And he does a sermon. And now when they heard all these things, they were enraged. <laughs> and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and they rushed together at him. And they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. They threw rocks at him because he made a stand. Stephen makes a stand. It's interesting because Stephen wasn't making a stand for, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to think of the things in the Western world that we all make a stand for. He wasn't making a stand for like the world was created in seven days and that's the only way you could possibly believe that. You might believe that. But that wasn't what Stephen was standing for. And he wasn't standing for like, you know, all the little nuances, like he wasn't standing for sermons should only be preached exegetically. He wasn't standing for like, um, there should not be drum kits in youth, in church. And he wasn't standing for, uh, there shouldn't be fast songs. And he wasn't standing for all the little things that we as Christians generally stand for in the West. I don't know if you know those things I'm talking about. You know the things that we, that we sort of stand for and act like we're social justice warriors and act like we're heroes, but truthfully, no one's going to stone us. 
You know what Stephen was making a stand for? He was making a stand for Jesus is God against people who didn't believe Jesus was God. You can make a stand for all sorts of things, but half the people you're arguing against don't believe Jesus is God in the first place. Don't you think it would be good to convince them of that first? He's making a stand, Jesus is God and all your rules and all your regulations and all your institutions and all your things are at war with the fact that Jesus is God and he gives grace and he makes you free. And because he makes a stand so bold, they stone him. They stone him. Now, in the West, you're never going to get stoned. I mean that in two ways. I mean, no one's ever going to throw rocks at you. And if you go to my youth ministry and I hear that you're out there getting stoned, (laughs) I'll forgive you. (laughs) I'll forgive you. We don't really have to make a stand for things like no one's going to throw rocks at us. And I don't think in my lifetime that's ever going to happen. Some people will try to scare you. They'll be like, ah, you know, the East is taken over. One day you're going to get stoned in the street. Mm, nah, I think we're going to be pretty good, at least in my lifetime. But we do need to make a stand for some things. And why don't we? I don't think it's because like standing, I don't think it's because we just need to learn how to stand. I honestly think it's because a lot of us are afraid of the falling part. When I went and made a stand at my church, it could have ended really badly. You know, like I could have been excommunicated. They could have said, Lewis, we love you, but if you're going to make a stand like this, we don't want you part of our church. I could have lost all my friends. I could have lost my reputation, my good reputation. I could have lost, I was, you know, serving in the youth ministry. I could have lost my position, whatever fake title I had. I could have lost a lot. But for some reason in that moment, I was more afraid of the spiritual consequences of what was happening than I was afraid of losing my whatever so-called title, than I was afraid of losing my so-called reputation, than I was afraid of losing my friends, you know? In that moment, I made a choice. And I wonder what choices you need to make as you go into your school, your university, your workplace. In what ways do you need to make a stand despite the fear of falling? If your workplace is corrupt, and luckily in the West we have institutions, organisations, HR representatives that can try and make sure our workplaces aren't corrupt, but if your place is corrupt, if your workplace is corrupt, maybe you should make a stand against that. And if the situation is, if I make a stand, I might lose my job, maybe it's better you lose your job and stand against corruption. But you won't lose your job because you can just go to HR or fair work. (laughs) Maybe in your school, someone's getting bullied, someone's sitting alone, and it's like, it's very hard in school to stick up for people. But maybe you need to make a stand. Maybe you need to say, no, I'm not going to stand for this bullying, and I'm not even going to be a part of it. I'm not even going to be a witness. I'm going to stop doing it myself, because I need to make a stand for what's right. That's very hard. If there was one thing I could change about my high school years, it was I remember being at my year 12 graduation, and there was this guy sitting at like one of the tables across and this guy was crying at his year 12 graduation and I sort of immediately knew why he was crying. I realised this guy's crying because he reached the end of his high school life and it was the worst time of his life and everyone's in this room celebrating 
something that for him was hell. And if I could change one thing about my high school years, it would be I'd go back to year seven, year eight, year nine, and I'd start hanging out with that guy. And maybe I'd make his high school years a little less bad. I didn't do that because I was caught up in popularity. I was caught up in my friends group. I was caught up in hearing the taunts and the jokes, being part of the taunts and the jokes. I was caught up in all that, not wanting to lose my reputation, not wanting to lose my friends, not, you know, wanting to be cool. Let's face it, I was never going to be the coolest there. I don't know why I was trying so hard. I should have just embraced it and gone, I'm going to sit with the have-nots. I'm going to sit with the people who need it. Because maybe then he wouldn't have been at his year 12 graduation crying. So if you are in year 7, 8, 9, and you get to make a choice about the way that you're going to live your high school life, don't live it for the popularity. Live for good. Live for light. Live for love. Don't do what I did. Make a stand. And if you're attending this church and the people at this church, like the pastors, like the elders, like the board, if you ever hear anything going on that doesn't sound right, make a stand. And I'll try not to be too argumentative with you. Bring a friend as a witness, you know. Make a stand for what's right. Make a stand for what's right. There is a big, you can fall. Stephen did fall, I mean he got stoned. Because I don't think it's just about standing. I think it's also about surrender. When we surrender to Jesus and his words, he says things like, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? What does it profit you to be the most popular kid in high school but lose your soul? What does it profit you to earn a lot of money in a corrupt workplace but lose your soul? What does it mean for you to go to a university and do a degree that, you know, what does it mean if they're shoving things down your throat, they probably shouldn't be shoving down your throat. And it's like, what does it mean for you to be part of that world but lose your soul? What does it mean for you to gain the whole world but lose your soul? And when you start to realise Jesus says things like this, like Stephen... I feel like when you come against like situations where you need to make a stand, it's almost like you can see Jesus. Sometimes in worship, I just like to put my hand on my heart. I like to just sit and imagine. This morning in worship, in our AM service, I was trying to like get in the zone of worship. And one way I do that is I sort of put my hand on my heart and I just imagine Jesus. And this morning, I, I sort of particularly saw him standing next to me, sort of this faceless figure, because I don't particularly know whether he was white, black or brown. So he just sort of becomes this glowing figure. I sort of just sat there. I wasn't singing, but I was just sort of sitting there being with my Jesus. I saw him like Stephen saw him. And when you see him and you can submit to him, the standing is less of like a standing power, I'm in control. The standing is a more like a, I'm standing because you, Jesus, are in control. I'm standing because you, Jesus, are beside me. You can submit to him and surrender to his will for your life. Because when you do that, you realise even though Stephen was stoned, even though he lost his life, he gained it. Jesus says, if anyone wishes to come after me, follow me, be with me, be in eternity with me, he must deny himself. He must take up his cross. He must embrace the sacrifice and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake 
will find it. Stephen found life in his sacrifice. In making a stand, he submitted to Jesus. He surrendered to Jesus. He stood for what was right. He followed the light. He followed the truth. He surrendered and he stood. He surrendered and he stood. I don't know what it is in your life that you need to surrender to Jesus so that you can stand for what is right. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is that you need to surrender to Jesus so that you can make a stand. For some of you, it's going to be the pot. As much as I make a joke about it, in a room this size, someone's got a few leaves in their cabinet somewhere. And if you're 14, you don't need it. You don't need it. You know, you surrender something like that and you can make a stand for what's right and for what's true. Your life will change. You'll have a clearer head. You'll have a clearer head. Some of you need to surrender your your desire to earn more money. Not because money is necessarily bad, but because in your workplace, you're like climbing a ladder of corporate greed and you're making deals with shady people. And money is good. Everyone needs it. But if you've got this thing in your life that you can't let it go and you need to pursue evil things in order to get it, you've got to surrender that to Jesus so that you can make a stand for what's right. If you're in this church community and you hear grumblings and whispers, problems, and you're like, well, I don't want to go say something to any of the pastors or elders or board because what if I get in trouble? What if I get, what if they don't like me? We have good enough systems in place that you can come talk to us. I want you to come talk to us if you see things that are wrong. I want to hear from the youth parents who can tell me to run a better youth ministry. And you need to surrender that. What if Lewis doesn't like me? Because I'm going to like you no matter what. I'll grumble to Johnny afterwards. But then he'll say, no, Lewis, listen. So that you can make a stand for what's right. If you're at school and you see someone getting bullied or just left out, bullying, I use the word bullying, but what I'm saying is there's this, it's like a nuance of just leaving people out. Don't stand for it. You need to surrender that desire to be popular, to surrender the desire to be cool, to stand for what's right. So I don't know what your thing is and maybe it's none of the things I listed, but you know what it is. There's a cupcake in the freezer and it's saying, it's just 250 calories. It's just 250 calories. Just one taste. Just one bite. Go on. But you need to Close the freezer. You need to surrender to what's going to be healthy for you and make a stand. I don't need you, maple bacon cupcake. Understand? Can you close your eyes for one sec? Put your hand on your heart. Well, you don't have to do that. It's a bit weird. Do whatever you want. Phil Mackey just went, I'm not putting my hand on my heart. (laughs) 
Josh loved that one. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to put my hand on my heart. Um, and I just want you to imagine Jesus with you. He's a loving Jesus. He wants to put his arm around you. He's not judging you. And he's saying, follow me. He's saying, come on, let's do this together. He's saying, surrender to me. And I'll show you how to stand. You're trying to do all the things to save this life you've got, but you just got to let it all go. You just got to surrender. I'm with you. My arm's around you. I'm sitting right next to you. I'm just in front of you. I'm standing for you. Come on, stand with me. Surrender to my will. God, we surrender. Help us to stand for what is right. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info.